It's time to feel the rage. Welcome to Film Rage, where we talk movies. We continue to patiently wait for the theaters to open as our partial lockdown continues. But we will continue to stream the latest releases and review some classic films as well. Directors and actors, beware as you cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce and I'm part of the Film Rage crew, which also includes Jim. Hello, Jim. So with the introductions out of the way, let's rage on. Oh, baby. This week on the podcast, we talk about new flicks to streaming. Who knew? Who knew we would do streaming this week? Uh, wow. Another special event by our friends at Sith Calgary, Open Rage. The list is going to be epic. Rage or dare. And then we wake up from 2020. Embrace 2021 as the future that Johnny Mnemonic and my boy Keanu Reeves predicted would happen. It's all happening tomorrow, people. Everybody watch Johnny Mnemonic tonight before you fall asleep. When you wake up, that's exactly what 2021 is going to be. It's done. Excellent. Now, we've got a special promo we're going to do today for... Three of my favorite, well, I should say our favorite, because if they if they didn't love their our podcast as much as we do, I don't know what would, because they do. Uh, and these are Dads on Dayquil. Huh. That sounds pretty groovy, baby. In a world filled and you can with check out and chaos, three dads bring to you a riot of entertainment every hump day. Hump day? We are Jordan, a.k.a. The Gnome. Josh, a.k.a. The Dome. AJ, a.k.a. The Stone. And together, we're Dads on Dayquil. Between the three of us, we have ten kids. <laughs> that we know about. <laughs> we're talking about you, Johnny Six. <clears throat> Sit down, turn up the volume, and crack a cold one. As we bring you a glimpse into our dad lives. We break down our weekly events with our dad stories and tons of shout-outs. Dad Corner! We bring you dad games. We also cover music, movies, and all things entertainment. Hell, we even bring you the Stone Safe House for off-the-wall references. hey So come check us out on your favorite podcast platform, even if you prefer certain platforms that we don't. Yeah, we're talking about you, Google Podcasts. me 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 meow Dad's out. As you were Get saying? Google yeah, just in the Google Podcast. I love it. And you can find the dads at D, as in dads, Dayquil, as in Dayquil, at Twitter. So check these babies out. Search them on YouTube. They got some pretty funny shit. These guys just did some big promos for us. Go on our YouTube, too, because it's got a cool video that they made for us. I, we love these guys, and my nose is itchy, so that must mean I'm doing too much coke or something? I don't know. I mean, what's an itchy nose mean? What's the vernacular of itchy nose? No, no idea. Oh, well. Well, you know what time it is? Let's dance. We're streaming. 
right, sir. So, we streamed a few things this week. Yeah, we did. And we are going to start with a movie called Pieces of a Woman, which is currently playing on Netflix. You heard of Netflix? Uh, Netflix. Yeah, it's got something to do with movies and stuff, maybe. All right. Uh, This was an exhausting movie to watch. It, it's almost like you gave birth to a baby and, almost. It, and it died. It, it, is, it is, well, yeah, it's the story of a woman who suffers a loss of her baby moments after giving birth. Uh, I hope that's not a spoiler. It shouldn't be because as you watch the first half uh, hour of this feature, there's no question what's going to happen. Yet it's still a draining and heartbreaking experience. From there, we follow the, her journey over the next several months the effects it has on her marriage, as well as her family and friends. Vanessa Kirby as Martha gives the performance of her career thus far. Ellen Burstyn also shines as Elizabeth, the mother of Martha. This is her best performance since Requiem for a Dream. The scenes with Kirby and Burstyn are unforgettable. Shia LaBeouf is also stellar as Sean, the husband. LaBeouf seems to put everything he has into everything he does these days and this was no different there is a realism to his performance that not a lot of actors have he doesn't act like sean he is sean with all the great in this film and there was a lot there was one aspect that kept it from being fantastic i found the side story of the court case a little clunky and seemed only to be there so martha could make her big courtroom speech this sensationalized trial seemed a little too much. Number one, I don't believe this tragedy would have gotten quite that much attention from the media. And more importantly, it distracted from the deeply personal journey Martha was experiencing. This was close to being great, but with the unnecessarily melodramatic focus on the trial, this perfectly acted and, and worth seeing film Gets a meh. A high meh, but a meh nonetheless. Well, this is very interesting. Is it? Because it's a start that we don't normally see. Usually we're battling it out right off the very beginning. So 25 minutes of childbirth was probably just a little bit too long for a real-time birth. First off, having their first baby... I don't know anybody who's had 25 minutes where they have gave birth. So right away I was like, okay, my, my first child took, I want to say 23 hours. My wife was in labor. That's a long, that's a long movie though, Jim. Yeah, it would have been a long movie. So if you're going to make a real time film, yeah, maybe don't do it like that. I guess, I guess it would have had to have been a series with 23 episodes. Yeah, it could have been maybe, (laughs) I mean, we could have seen her in labor for, 23 hours. I don't know. I'm just saying it's Fair not enough. very often that somebody gives birth in 25 minutes once their water breaks. But that's, you know, maybe what we were talking earlier about magic. So, who knows? Uh, so, yeah, right away it was it was actually annoying me because I'm thinking, what the fuck and why do they need to show this much detail? But then when the baby came, I completely understood. Yes. I still think 25 minutes is maybe a little bit too long. Uh, the emotion that started the 25 minutes rolled through to the birth and beyond the scenes with Shia LaBeouf and Vanessa Kirby were amazing. 
uh, marriage story, awesome is what I would say, of intensity, and really felt that they were truly connected. I really did feel that both of them were connected at this part in the movie. Yep. And then, bam! Motherfucking Ellen Bernstein shows up on the screen. That would be bursting. Or should I say, or should I say yeah, I did that last time, too. Uh, but, and, and then, bam! The, the mesmerizing Ellen Bernstein shows up on the screen. Yes. Yes, that's right. Motherfucking Ellen Bernstein. Uh, with her presence, I was like, uh, "How awesome was she?" She's, uh, I love her so much. Yeah, love her. Um, I I felt it had a little bit of a Woody Allen feel uh, through some of the heavy dramatic roles. I felt some influence from Woody there from some of his earlier dramatic films like Hannah and Her Sisters and and that type. Uh, I really kind of started to um, to feel the influences there. Uh, but it was uh, the film puts smatterings of dramatic scenes and then focuses you and forces you to reflect as it pushes you forward with a slow, methodical dialogue that, with familiar moments, not really pushing you too far over the edge. Once you have seen the birth and the death scene at the beginning, it tries to gain your interest and in its emotional depth, but. I found that the characters were not as strong as I felt the film should be. The emotion in this film kept going up and down, but not in an escalating or de-escalating way. I found it hard to grab onto the emotion and our lead actress that I was desperately wanting to feel. Not that she wasn't doing a great job of the acting. I 100% agree with what you said, but I felt that it the film and how it was constructed because I think that journey you like the way you said it about the whole it was almost just like a letdown the court scene became a letdown and it took us off this emotional roller coaster that we were on and I was enjoying it fully uh, I think each actor did a great job of what they were doing and the ending was good but ultimately the film lost its intensity and lost the emotion and became a great actor's making men. Yeah. <laughs> I can't argue with you there. No magic. Yeah. No, as I say, I, it was, it was rolling along and it. As, when we got into like the first hour, first hour and a half, I was, I was on board the whole way, but the, once we got into the court stuff and the weird detours we made with that, and then the, the, you know, the overly convoluted speech at the end, which I think it would have been more effective had she just gotten in touch with the midwife and had that conversation with the midwife. I didn't. It didn't have to be the sensational speech to the world, you know. It just had yeah. to be. It had to be between those two. That you know what, I forgive you. Yeah. It's. It was too much. Yeah. For, I, for I an intimate intimate story, it should have still been intimate, and it, it wasn't. So. And and interesting, you you talked about Shia LaBeouf, and I'm thinking that his last few, he, his last film before this one is now also showing on Netflix, and it may be a while that we see Shia LaBeouf in anything because uh, he's going back into a court case where he's got a lawsuit on him. Yeah. So 
he may end up in the realms of some of our other great actors this last year that have could not get control of their emotions. So, yeah. I mean, if you're going to leave your legacy and this may be your last film that we see, at least you did a good job. Shia. I, I, you know, I, I don't want to pronounce anybody guilty when they haven't even had their trial. So, but you know, this could be something he's not going to recover from. So. Yeah. All, All right. right. Well, we also saw Antebellum and I know we're going to have a disagreement here. Uh, but before I do this review, I just, I want to get it out there um, that I wanted to check in before I did my review with uh, what I would consider a white ally and a friend of the black community to give her input for me as I want to make sure I challenge other people that carry white privilege to this film with different eyes. My friend and the said ally, her name is Celeste from the podcast Taboos who is one of the best and most important people I can say I have ever known. Her challenge to me and to you, our listeners, is, and I want to quote, direct quote, a call for action to other white people to watch this film from the perspective of wakeness, to watch this film as a movie, but as a documentation of what happened or is happening. Challenge them to watch it in knowing what's going on in the world right now in America and Canada and the world, I guess, for that matter. That's my words, not hers. Right now, to watch this from the view of the black community and how far they've come as a group in society and yet how far society has yet to go to make it up to that same group. And that's close quote. I suggest anybody wanting to start to open your mind to listen to two specifically of Taboos' podcast. One is on white privilege, and the other one is called Black Women Matter. The podcast name, again, is spelled T-A-B-O-O-Z in Canada, or Z in the U.S., E. And just search it. They're pretty much everywhere these days. These are great ladies doing great things to open all of our minds. And I wanted to prequel my review with that comment because in Film Rage, all of us are very anti-racism and anything we can do for the black community, we are on board with. So now to continue, I had such a tough time watching this movie. Uh, any movie with slavery in it. I feel physically ill when I see the inhumanity portrayed. Uh, obviously, it's because of the evil that they are. But I also think it's because as a family, when I was a kid, we watched the original series by Alex Haley's uh, miniseries, Roots. Uh, together, we watched it as a family. And I knew nothing about it. At the time, this was like an eye-opening awakening about what was even happening. So imagine in my youth being like seven or eight or whatever the age was that I saw this, this, and I knew nothing about it. So um, every time I see films about slavery, it makes me cringe and brings up those moments of discussions I had with some of my friends because at the time I had friends of mine that were also black. And so having the discussion with them about roots as a child it bring when i see movies about this it brings up those memories for me now uh for me this was a huge moment for me of under to start to understand white privilege even now i fully don't get it 
but I am trying. I fucking hate that this is part of our history, part of our present and part of our future, that we live with racism. I hope I can get or I can be a better ally to our black friends and our BIPOC culture. Ugh is all I want to say. I hate seeing slavery focused in films, but at the same time, it's great to get this in our faces as much as possible and in different ways. And I feel that this director does just that. It brings slavery discussion into a new way for us to see it. Our lead actress, Janelle, I'm, you know me in pronunciations, Janelle Manet. Manet. Yep. Is brilliant in this film. Her gaze, so icy cold and full of hate was so amazing. Every scene carries a level of intensity of abuse and dominance. And from scene one through to 53 minutes in, I was like, what? Uh, not normally something I noticed, but Janelle Monet's wardrobe in this film was also amazing. I felt that the color palette used by the director almost created a mood amongst itself. She was the shining light of the coloration of this film. Uh, what a surprise to see motherfucking Precious herself, Gabri Sindebi. Uh, do you think that's the right pronunciation? Uh, in this film, I freaking love her, and, and she killed it in Precious, and she killed it, I felt, in this. She was a completely different character. She, so, killed, she killed it in Precious. <laughs> yeah, she did. Uh, so at one hour and 11 minutes and 10 seconds into this film, and I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Slow build of suspense while we continue to not understand what the hell is happening with her. And then, bam, this totally M. Night Shyamalama ding-donged me. I had droppings through it uh, led, you know, I just like, I don't know what's happening. And then, but I love the way that it so subtly sort of planted it. I hate to spoil it, but I motherfucking loved it. When she lit that fire, I was like screaming at the screen, burn, baby, burn. Gets a black ladies who kick motherfucking ass, motherfucking bitches and motherfucking dicks, Mondo. I love this film favorite line was by uh, Tongea Chrisisa Cracker Ass Cracker which also pretty much sums up this film hmm. over to you alright I, I don't agree or I, I don't disagree with any of you said before but, but as far as the film itself goes it was not great <laughs> oh. um, well let's hear it why not well, the, the plus plus their their uh, promo department uh, didn't do it uh, any justice either. So I found myself actually overthinking this one as the story unfolded. One of the major problems with it is that within the advertising of this film, they tell you to wait for that monumental twist ending that will have audiences reeling. I guess the advertising sort of worked indirectly, as it was obvious early on what the twist was. Okay, <laughs> but I was thinking it cannot be that simple. So I was racking my brain trying to figure out this giant twist <laughs> when it was just the obvious foreshadowed conclusion that wasn't really surprising at all. I will first say, when talking about this film, that Janelle Monet is a star. Yep. Th that is undeniable. She's an undeniable presence on the screen. That is the good in the film. The bad is pretty much everything else. <laughs> everyone can see what the message of the film was but not everyone can be Jordan Peele a lot of this 
made little sense to me. It seemed as though, other than where to step, there was very little plan for our heroine to escape her situation. And because of that, why did she wait so long to take action? Made no sense. The over-the-top execution turned this into a bit of a sideshow, sort of like an exploitation film, but without all the laughs. The scenes that were in the present day did little to make me sympathize with our main character, which should have been the the, the part of the, the the intention for that. I mean, I didn't like her in her in her present day. I don't understand. Like, I didn't like her. I didn't like her friends. I I don't know what to, I don't know what to say about that. It seems yeah, yeah. like a little tweaking here and there. This could have been at least watchable, but alas, it is what it is. This was a rage. The, you know, the message, it's absolutely great. I just wish it was a better movie so that it would deliver that message in a better way. Yep. It's, it's interesting. Um, I, I kind of understand why you think that. For me, as I was watching it, I was fully immersed in the concept. I do know that at some point in the film, you do know what's happening. And it's not the supernatural time travel film that we're kind of expecting it to be right? It's like you, from the commercials, like you said, you're expecting her somehow, she's moving back and forth through time through this scenario and how is it happening? All those questions go through your mind. But for me, I, it didn't, like, I know what you mean about her 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 character when she's in, I don't know if to say present day or in the, the time before she's yeah, yeah. she's in the, in the compound, let's say, is um, she's just a person being herself. Whether you like her or not, it the, the the it's almost like she's targeted because she's a famous black woman. That's pretty much the reason why she's targeted. It's like they even talk about at the end is she's being chased down by a super bitch, and and basically saying, you know what? I thought you were too high high of a profile to do it, but it's like, you know, he wanted to take you, so that's what happens. People need to watch this film, whether they love it or hate it. We're obviously on both sides of the fence today, but people should watch this film to see with their eyes wide open. That's mm. all I want to say. I want to close it with that. Like op- watch this film with your eyes wide open, both from a, a white privilege and as a, as a, as a person that either enjoys this film or doesn't. Okay. <laughs> I think maybe they should watch other films, but. Yeah, well, I think they should because I love it. So. All right. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, let's, let's talk about, the magic of fingers. Ah, the magic of fingers. Yes, fingers, which is currently streaming on Shutter. Dom dom. Yes. Dom dom. Ah, uh, this is a story. Oh, Antebellum was on. Sorry, was on Amazon, which was, I didn't mention. It was on Prime. Yes. You keep on calling yeah. it Amazon, but it's actually Prime. It's Prime Video, my friend. Oh, owned by Amazon, right? Yes. I get it. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay, back to what... Back, back to, to Fingers to on Shudder. Dum dum. Alright, this is a story of Amanda who has issues with the physical imperfections of others. Issues is perhaps not strong enough a word. She is freaked out by the smallest imperfections, so when, our, when her co-worker Walter shows up to work with a missing pinky, all hell breaks loose. From there we get a fantastic, unpredictable journey from the mind of writer-director Juan Ortiz. We learn of how the truly disturbed Amanda, how truly disturbed Amanda is, and we find out what she has been, uh, what, 
and what has Look been happening and what has been happening Magic fingers. yes and what has been happening to the digits of walter we get introduced to a man named fox played brilliantly by michael st michaels which some of you may know from the movie the greasy strangler which if you have not seen you really need to we also get introduced to another character <laughs> na- named Talkie, played by Jeremy Gardner, who stars in one of my all-time favorite horror movies, The Battery. Another movie that if you haven't seen, you need to. Now, Agreed. now I use the characters as now I use the word characters as each of these is one of a kind. Uh, any one of them could have had a movie made focusing on them, and it would be can't miss. <laughs> With all yep. these characters sharing the screen. So screen time in one movie there was one there was not one scene that I did not have a smile on my face for this movie was bliss I watched this movie at 5 a.m. because that seems to be when I get up these days and I was surprised <laughs> and I was surprised my neighbors did not knock on my door as I was laughing so hard that I must have woken at least a couple of them this was an odd and wonderfully amusing expedition that I cannot wait to experience again. This was Mondo. Okay. Fingers. Jazz hands. Uh, first off, 80s music kicks you in the face right from the very beginning with a huge Louisville slugger. Plus, creepy dancing weirdo freak I'm already on board. I wanted more, and more of Jeremy was I going to get. So apparently, someone has hand and body issues right from the beginning of this movie. Our lead actress is a wreck until she reads a great self-help titled book. Wank. Then the film gets, how I say, continually weirder and more awesome, starting from the cannibal scenes and creating a snowball of hilarity and crazy, creepy fun. FYI, seeing Murray's buddy and our pal Jeremy Gardner from The Battery, I freaking love this guy. I think he's becoming the new horror icon for the world. Let's recap. Last year, we got to see him in the movie Bliss. Funny how you use that word, Bliss. And also, After Midnight. This is another film where the sound and music were done so awesome, I couldn't I couldn't wait to hear what they were going to do next with the sound and the music in this. Felt so natural through the whole movie. All these things were great. But the icing on this cake was our hero slash villain, Michael St. Michael, the greasy strangler himself. <sighs> ah, you're blessed. It, you know what? I, I don't know if we can think of a word. I mean, you used it, and now I've used it twice in the same review. This movie was completely blissful. You know what I'm going to say next, though, don't you? I don't. Ladies who kick ass and punch dicks bring the joy gasm. I fucking loved the dog tail. I'm just saying, the dog tail scene was perfect. Gets a handful of fingers, joy-gastic, Walter-loving Mondo. And and FYI, the answer to the question we were all wanting to know as this movie was progressing was, 
what is the price of fingers worth? Well, it's $10 a finger, but only paid in block by, Best Buy gift certificates. Yes. <laughs> Favorite line, I swear on my nipples. And the response to this was, both of them? Or then perhaps the more popular choice is, what do you say? Fuck me and eat me? Mm-hmm. But this still had the best closing line of any movie. This was literally the last thing we knew other than the credits, which was, sorry for being a cunt. I just, I'm just like, how, how can you end a movie more hilariously uh, graphic and violent than this movie? It, it was perfect. It's, it was, uh, it was so much fun. It was bliss. Yep. I love that you chose that word. I love it. <laughs> it was total bliss. <laughs> I was just sitting there with a goofy grin on my face the entire time, interrupted by yeah. like uproarious laughter, and then back to the goofy grin. It was just like oh, it was yeah, fantastic. There's, there's so many scenes in it. I'm just kind of like the scene where they go back. It goes back to Jeremy's house when Walter goes there. Yeah, and then he, he kills that guy, and then and then <laughs> Jeremy's character is kind of like. <clears throat> He's kind of like, dude, I respect the game. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> and so then even good. at the end with Michael St. Michael's in there, and he's kind of like, like the game kind of right out of left field because you're kind of like, okay, this guy's a uh, terrible, evil, creepy villain, and he's like, I want to give you retribution. <laughs> he's like, what? <laughs> You're taking. Because I took the road. Like, I don't want to spoil it because people should see this movie. Yep. But uh, you're right. Every scene was just uh, was blissful in itself. It's it's a must see movie. As a as a little oh, side shutter. little sidebar here, uh, there was a one night that we went to the Night Terrors, uh, one of their screenings, and they actually gave out some Blu-ray discs. And I've got this movie that now I have to watch because I didn't realize that Michael St. Michael's is in it. <laughs> I think it's called. Ex what? I think it's called Extremities or something, but apparently I have the Blu-ray because yeah. I wanted it at a, at a Night Terror screening. So yeah, there you at go. At some point, yeah, I got to crack that sucker open. Yeah, well, and then we'll have to probably watch together when we're allowed to be together. That sounds to like a now. plan. Let's do that. It's, it's a date. Yes. Okay. Well, <clears throat> I guess you have some special music that we're going to listen to. Sure do. For those of you who've listened to us a few times, this happens to be the Sif Calgary theme music yes. on Film Rage. And this time we're doing some global perspectives. Last week it was yeah. top, top docs. This time it's global perspectives. Yeah. So, you know, I, you know, we should probably be a little bit more prepared because we should find out for any of our listeners if they're in Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario. BC, if they can watch these films. But if not, you know, we're talking about these movies. And if you like what we're talking about it, just go find these movies, right? Yeah. Like they're eventually end up into streaming sites or they end up on VOD. <clears throat> but we're getting these before they hit anywhere. And uh, we're so blessed that our relationship with um, with Sif Calgary, uh, Calgary International Film Fest is so strong and they respect our opinion so much. So um, we're going to be talking about the big hit or I'm going to mess this up because my French is not so bon oui. 
is Un Triumph. Maybe Un Triumph. You, no, you don't need the uh, Un Triumph. Un Triumph. That's un it. Un Triumph. There you go. Holy cow! What are you bilingual? <laughs> no. That's uh, I know you're... That's my grade twelve French. Still using. Wow, it. grade twelve. That's yes. not bad. I got to grade nine and a half before I dropped out of school and became a yeah, drug addict. Yeah, I would just I was just looking over Christos's shoulder and just copying all his answers. So, at a boy. Uh, so <clears throat> an actor uh, past his prime gives drama lessons to prisoners in an attempt to stage waiting for Godot. Yes. Uh, the director Emmanuel Courcourt. Uh, and there's a bunch of writers, so there's at least six. So that usually means something, and it's an indication as it's to a, where I'm going. It's a collaboration. It's a collaboration, and it's not a shorts package. So <clears throat> prison films always get me excited. The grittiness, the anger, usually the male nudity. This has a real easy flow to it. It doesn't feel intrusive or brash uh, that these hard, uh, with these hardened criminals. I didn't. It didn't seem to hit me though until about halfway through the movie, and then I was like, "Hey, wait a minute! Aren't these criminals? Why are they being so nice?" Uh, it would normally have bothered me through the entire story, um, but it, it smoothly ran from one scene to the next, pulling me along like a man being pulled by a rope onto stage. The characters are, de are developed as well. You see these criminals even with their flaws. Uh, the conflicts between the characters don't last long, and the subplots, although, kind of go nowhere. For example, like the director and his daughter, almost seems not important, other than, excuse me, it shows that he's a bit of a narcissist. But we, this is already a given. We already know he's a narcissist. So, I mean, he's an actor after all. He's got to have some narcissism. I like this film and the characters, but I didn't get enough prison for a film about prisoners. As usual, the French never disappoint and always deliver the nudity. We get no naked women this time, which we normally do, but we can't win them all. Vive la France avec nudité. Uh, ending, though, was a little bit dumb. I mean, they search the prisoners every night when they come back, like they show, they had to go into painstaking detail about they search these prisoners, they make them go through all this process. Uh, but then, you know, the night that they're doing their final performance, they don't even put a guard on their room. Like I was kind of like, I don't know whose decision it was to direct it in that direction, but I, I didn't buy it. And the whole time, um, yeah, they, they respected this director and, and were, were helping him and wanting to see him. And then all of a sudden, supposedly at the end, I'm just like, what? Like, it was just, the ending was just so bad to me. Um, it just got under my skin so much. It's a good prison film minus the shower scene, soap drop, but a great naked dance on the front lawn, man. Cool. Uh, yeah, so the big hit, Un Triomphe. Uh, this was an entertaining bit of cinema. It had the familiar feel and pacing of many French dramatic comedies. It's loosely based on a true story, which makes it a little more interesting on that level. It has some laughs. It had some very good performances, but ultimately, I do not anticipate this one staying with me for long. 
I would imagine that I will forget this film within a year or two. No lasting impression, but it is still an enjoyable romp. I would say for those of you that enjoyed um, The Untouchables, starring Francois Clouzet, this will be right mm -hmm. up your alley. For me, it was okay. It was meh. Whoa. So, we okay, let's just recap where we're at this week. Mm -hmm. Pieces of Women was both meh. Yep. Antebellum yep. was uh, Rage and Mondo. Yep. Fingers was Mondo. And then the big hit is meh. It's like, it almost writes itself. <laughs> it's like, this is not very often we agree so much. So this is a, this is a promising, promising day. However, I guess I have just a little bit enough rage to move into where we're going next. You figure? Are you sure? Yeah. All right. Then yeah, I can build it. It's there. Let's do that then. Temperature rising. Vision blurring. Rage taking over. Okay, so my rage this week is really quite simple. I racked my brain, you know, other than, you know, we, we can rage about COVID, we can rage against the way we have to live our lives these days. But, you know, when it comes to film, I, I come to the conclusion, I hate mainstream comedies. I just hate them. There's nothing about them I find any redeeming qualities in any of them. Anything that's made by a big production house that is a comedy, I want to run screaming from the building and not have to see it. Pretty much everything that comes out, it's kind of like formulaic, predictable, and I just don't, I don't enjoy it. it. For me, going to see a movie, and maybe it's because I watch so many movies, and I'm actually in in uh, previewing time right now with one of my film festivals. It's just I cannot stand watching comedies and especially when they're not funny it's just it it puts me over the edge I'm like I've, to me something is funny either unintentionally because they because it's just funny because it's unintentional or it's not necessarily at a minority's or at somebody's expense in a real negative way it's different than if you're making fun of yourself then that's funny to me but if you're if it's being sexist, racist, or I don't know uh, against a certain culture, I don't find it funny anymore. I just maybe it's because of who I'm becoming as a person. But a movie where it's focused, and you know, this is leading up to the movie that we had to watch coming up, and it this one isn't isn't particular it, but it just it just made me start to think about comedies and which is the comedies that I've actually liked in the last year that I've watched can't say is that's not one that I've actually liked that's it that's all I got for my rage this week I don't if, if you want to really punish me and dare us to see a film dare me to see a motherfucking comedy because I won't think it's funny and it'll make me rage alright I'll keep that in mind Jim yes you will and I know exactly where to hit you <laughs> <laughs> So here is my rage this week. Is it action films? No. 
If there's a twist ending okay. or some sort of surprise in your movie, do not advertise it. The point of a twist ending is not being able to see it coming. Telling you to watch for the twist ending defeats the purpose of having a twist ending. I have talked about this in the past, but back then I was talking about the trailer given away too much, which is also mm -hmm. reprehensible. But this, but literally telling me to watch for the twist ending is just as bad. Having said that, Antebellum's twist ending was not much of a twist as you could see it coming from a mile away, but they still should have left it out of the trailer. That's my rage. Well, I like to jump on board. I'm I'm game for that. I did you know what? I didn't see too many trailers of this film, so it didn't. I to your point, I if they're advertising that it's a it's a uh, this is a surprise ending. It's like well, wait a minute. So I know a surprise ending is even coming, right? Yeah. So it's like, don't do that. No, it just gets you thinking early on. And and the thing was, the first thing that popped in my mind is exactly what happened. But I was like, no, that's too simple. So I'm sitting there thinking, okay, what else could it be? What else could it be? But it was actually just the first thing that popped into my mind, which was like, oh, okay. yeah, you're well. I, that's just it. You were hoping from Antebellum that it was going to be something supernatural, yeah. like somehow science fiction or whatever. It was. I don't but, know. You know. I don't know what I was a, hoping for, but uh, yeah. But that wasn't it. That wasn't it. You know, it's interesting though that you talk about that when you when we talk about surprise ending. Go back to you know, I want to say the most historic surprise ending of all time. Right, and that's the sixth sense by M. Night Shyamalan. Right, like let's face it, he did not give anything away in the trailers. Yep. Right. I mean, everybody who saw that movie, and and everybody that came out of that movie was like, I'm not telling anybody about this. Yep. Right, because it it spoils the ending once you see the ending. And I don't know how many people had to then go back and rewatch that movie to say, oh, I want to see if there's something that's given away because it was such a great surprise. Yeah. Everybody that watched it was like. I didn't see that coming. Right? True. That's the way to do it. I agree. Yep. Rage is good. There you go. Except they did disagree with Antibiotics. Rage. Subsiding. Pulse. Slowing. Finger fading. All right. Well, the moment that our listeners have been waiting for with bated breath for months now is did Bryce actually see another Denise Richards <laughs> and actually I want to say kudos and thanks to our listeners we had we had so many of our listeners listen to our last episode we, it was like our biggest episode ever so thank you everybody and I'm wondering if it's because they're wondering why we're still talking about Denise Richards <laughs> That's yeah, literally the title of the episode. Perhaps we I, should call this episode, Why Are We Talking About <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, I can honestly say that after today, we're probably not going to talk about her maybe ever again. So here we go. The moment we've all been waiting for. Oh, and, yeah. And quite honestly, okay, I am sick about talking, you know, about Denise Richards. I am just, I, I don't want to do it anymore. And thank God I don't have to. Alpha Code was bad. Go figure. Stupid movie about a woman on the run from some sort of agent whose ex-colleague introduces her to another dude who is looking for his half-alien daughter. I know, it's hard to believe that this concept is a rage. But it what? is. It yes. sounds awesome. 
Yes. What are you talking about? I'm not talking much about this. I don't want to rehash this film. I want this all to be over. This Denise Richards nightmare that I've been on for like a month is it's it's over. I'm not watching any of her films ever again. I'm done. Denise Richards is doubted. She couldn't be any more doubted. She not only picks bad films, but she's a terrible actress. Ah, no more. Done. No more Denise I Richards. This is the best. Sorry. Remember last week when I said that was the best day of my life? <sighs> this is now the second best day of my yeah, life. Yeah. It's hard to top last week. <laughs> Last week was a pretty great week. I knew that you had to go and watch another Denise Richards movie because you made a bad decision on a rating from a previous movie. But I do want to say, yes. because of this movie and because of last week's episode, we got 17 different states from the U.S. to watch our film, watch our podcast. Nice. Listen to our podcast. So uh, super thanks to all of them. And I'm not going to list them all because 17 is a lot and I'll probably mispronounce ones like difficult to pronounce like virginia oh yeah those u.s states are so difficult to pronounce i know right wisconsin yeah I, you know cl- like that's, cl- that's close crazy enough talk. they know where they're from i don't know what you're talking about yes okay so the other thing this is a funny story we have to talk about this okay as i'm sure that kim shared it with you but as i'm watching the movie that i've been wanting to watch forever so we can get Michael Stolberg onto Stolberg. our undoubted list. Was I'm sitting there with my wife watching the movie Shirley, and I get a text. Yes. And it's like, oh, Bryce wanted me to tell you that Shirley is now streaming on Amazon. <laughs> on Prime. So I took a picture of the screen <laughs> and sent it to her, and I said, Show him this. And she's like, what's this? I'm like, that's a picture of King Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just funny how this week in our ratings, although we had one polarizing one, it's how we were, must have been pretty much in tune because you're t- she's telling me to watch it as I'm watching it. Yes. It was the best. So now we've already done all the math on this. I just had to make sure that this ended up being a Mondo. Right. And it's, was I loved it, and I'm so assuming good. you loved it too. Yeah, it was Mondo. I just yeah, I just want to go over him real quick because it's unbelievable the run that this guy's on. I know, right? Okay, so with it. Michael Stuhlbarg, you have to go 17 movies back where for some reason he made Men in Black three in 2012, which that's was 17 movies back. Yeah, that's 17 movies back. So since so he's still putting together a lot of movies too. Well, that's the thing. That's 17 back. So he's had 16 movies released since then. And here they are, real quick. Okay. 16 back. I'll throw my out. So yeah, 16 since then. So and 15 of them are Mondo, in my opinion. Seven psychopaths, Mondo. Lincoln. Mondo. Lincoln. Mondo. Mondo. Hitchcock. Mondo. Mondo. Blue Jasmine. Mondo. Mondo. Cut Bank. Mondo. Haven't seen it. Pawn Sacrifice. Mondo. Mondo. Steve Jobs. Mondo. Mondo. Trumbo. Mondo. Mondo. Miles Ahead. Mondo. Mondo. Arrival. Mondo. Mondo. Doctor Strange. Meh. 
was Mondo. No, I think you gave it a Mondo. I'm maying it for, now. For I'm, an MPU. I, re- uh, I think it's meh. Okay, well, you can have it. But Miss Mi- Sloan Mondo. is a Mondo. Yep. Call me by your name. Mondo. The Mondo, shape of water. Yep. Mondo. Mondo. The post. But the post was a meh. Mondo. It's a meh. It's Mondo. You're, you're being kind. That's why and, we had to And Shirley. Mondo. Yeah, I. Is a Mondo. Who who else? Like even if you give that other one a man, and we disagree twice, where the other person gave the one we're giving a man Mondo, you put yeah. us together, and we're Mondo in the whole thing, basically. Yeah. Who else has been on that good a run ever? That is no crazy. One. That is no sixteen one. movies. Like this guy is choosing the best of the best roles. Like he is yeah. he is putting himself and in the best movies. It's crazy. He's transformative on screen. Oh, totally. Right? You know what? Okay, okay, you know what I'm gonna put out there? This will be the first person that we have on both lists. I say we add him to mesmerize. Okay. I got no problem with that. He's on both he's the first person to make film rages mesmerized and undoubted list. I tell you, like that's crazy. Sixteen movies in a row. It's it's insane. I freaking love this guy. He's I so love good. Him. He makes okay, such good well, choices. Yeah, I mean, why can't why aren't more people doing this? Why don't people read the script? Why don't people yeah, understand just, the just read the script before you? <laughs> yeah, or if the, someone comes to you and says, "Hey, we got this movie. Your agent brings this movie to you," and they say, "Oh, guess what?" Yeah, the, and they say, "I've got this movie for you." And you're like, "Okay, well, uh, you know, tell me a little about the movie. Let me read the script, and then." They say to you, oh, yeah, by the way, there's seven writers that were on. I'm like, no, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) But if they or if they say, because this is another thing we've seen before. It's a really good writer that now he's directing his first film. Nope, I'm out. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Because they don't know how to use an editor machine. It's 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 all gold. It's all gold, baby. It's all gold. Well, this is the this is the moment I, I I could have raged every single episode about the fact that I could not access this movie until last week. I could not buy it. Yeah, it was crazy. I could not rent it. Yeah. I could not pay for it. I could not stream it. And yet we finally got it because praise the Lord or praise Satan, whatever you want to praise, and somehow the CRTC allowed us to now see it. They're swell. They're the worst. Free market, people. Okay, well, I'm going to give you one that I've been meaning to put on. This is another uh, undoubted. And you may you may or may not have seen these, but we talked about um, Michael Stilbump for his um, for his 16 movies. This guy hasn't made a lot of movies. He's a director. Putting him up for the undoubted. We already talked earlier this. Well, not earlier this year, but late last year, about the awesome director, yes, Frank Capra. All right. So I'm proposing that we put him on as undoubted. All right. Now look at the span of his career: 1944, Tunisian Victory. Now I haven't seen this, but I'm pretty assuming that it's going to be Mondo. I'm not sure if you've seen it. I have not. Okay, so 1944, the same year, he released Arsenic and Old Lace, which is a Mondo. Yep. He did 1946, It's a Wonderful Life, which was a Mondo. Yep. He did 1948, State of the Union, 
which is a Mondo. Mondo. He did 1950, Riding High, which is a Mondo. Mondo. 1951, Here Comes the Groom, which was a Mondo. Mondo. Uh, Ahead in the Hole from 1959. So that's an eight-year span. He didn't make a movie, which was also a Mondo. I don't think I've seen Ahead in the Hole. Okay. Well, you'll be happy you get to see it. Yep. And then finally, 1961 was The Pocket Full of Miracles, which for me was a Mondo. Mondo. So you've got to just see one film by, well, I guess technically we should see Tunisian history, but I don't think that we have to see it. And that's all he's made? Well, no, he's made some, but he didn't make that many. Like he's in in between like 1961 and and Future State, he did a ton of TV stuff. It's so, like he kind of escaped the the theater, right? Uh, the movie. So, but right? those are so, his, those are his last eight. That was his last eight. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. No, yeah. I so, will. I will see. Yeah. But. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch both of those because I can't believe I haven't seen them to be honest. So yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm, ex- I'm excited for you to definitely see Buffalo uh, Miracle. Uh, yeah, I'm a huge Frank Capra fan, and and there's a reason, right? When you see uh, movies like It's a Wonderful Life, which is iconic, right? Like a lot of people, they may not have seen a lot of his movies. I mean, obviously, Arsenic and, and Old Lace is, is probably one of his also most famous movies. But you know, when you see that movie and you see his direction and like someone who carries that much control and passion in his films, you know, he's going to take that with him everywhere. So. Um, Cool. Well, we got another person we're adding to the wait to see category. I'm going to yeah. throw one more mesmerized out just because I'm feeling generous. All right. And that is Michael Ironside, which we haven't put forward for a while. I know, I know he's made a ton of shitty movies, but for me, anytime Michael Ironside is on screen, I don't want to look at anybody else. Michael Ironside. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose he's mesmerizing. Yes, he is. Never, never gave it much thought until now, but I can't argue they with that. They think every movie he's in, it's like, I and, mean, and yes, I watched... he's been in a lot of crap, but honestly, yeah, he's been in a lot of crap. most of the crap is like over the last, is kind of the, the later stuff he was doing, which sometimes that mm-hmm. happens. Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously getting older, he's, he's trying to find his his sea legs, right? But you know what? We got to meet him uh, when he was in town at a film festival. He's the nicest guy that you'd ever meet. Yep. Like, I got to got to hang out with him a little bit, and uh, he's just one of the sweetest people. So the fact he's now on our Mesmer's List cool. brings joy to my heart. Excellent. That's all you got? That's enough for today. I'd say so. Let's uh, Let's move on, then. Okie dokie, pokey. Last week on Rage or Dare, we both chose from Murray's Rage Bag in his absence. Well, this week, Rice will go back to the comfort of my bag of rage in hopes that it is actually a rage. Seeing as he seems to like pretty much everything that he gets from the Dare Bag. So, and also, he does like to fondle bags. Let's check back with Bryce first to see if the little people in the elevator with Kevin James will be funny enough for him to give PB2, as I like to call it, a math 
or even in Murray's absence, he can still make us rage. All right, Paul Blart. No, Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. 2015, directed by Andy Fickman. And starring Mr. Kevin James. Made me laugh twice in the first few minutes. And then again, about an hour and 15 minutes later. Other than that, this movie was fairly excruciating. And the worst part is the fact that I thought that Mini Kiss was going to be featured. And all I got was a few seconds of them riding in an elevator. I thought I would get at least a clip of their stage show, or maybe even just their introduction. You wanted the littlest, you got the littlest. The hottest, littlest band in the world. Mini Kiss. Nope, didn't even get that. They couldn't even give me that little bit of pleasure. What a bummer. Paul Blart 2 is a rage to no one's surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I found the this film fitting that it's called number two mm, i see where you're going with that <clears throat> and that's my review that's good enough <laughs> well okay so there are there was three funny moments for me maybe they happen to be the same three funny moments for you probably number one was the bird fight oh. one was the face plant as they kidnapped his daughter and he did a face plant because his hypoglycemia caused him to go face first onto the floor. No, not the same uh, catching three. Ice cream, catching ice cream from the melting cone of the little girl, I thought was pretty funny. Well, between the between the two of us, there were six funny parts because those weren't the three Apparently. that I thought were funny. And then, okay, but, but the security guard from Mall America. She was great. Where you always feel safe to shop was great. I wish the Otherwise, movie was about her. Yeah, I wish she made a feature film about her at Mall of America. Maybe it'll be Paul Blart 3, but without Paul Blart. Yes. Uh, otherwise, this yet again attempt to be funny by our dearly removed from our doubted list, Kevin James, is an attempt in failure. We have said it before, and we'll say it again. Kevin James, you are a brilliant, dramatic actor, but you are not funny. And... Yet again, clearly trying to make him a leading man by throwing him in love interest with super hot women are so completely stupid. The saddest thing about this is I saw this about a year ago and remembered every single thing about this movie. Why did you so see it a year ago? I don't know why. I think, I don't know if it was, it was just, oh, it's Paul Blart. And I don't know. I don't know why I thought Maybe it was just, it was playing on um, Grave or something that I had free for a weekend. That's why I watched it. Uh, comedian, so yeah, comedians that are not funny, a sequel, a love interest yet again for Kevin James, who is clearly repulsive. Uh, the whole relationship with his daughter is dumb, especially that she is a, in senior high school and not a child and she can make decisions for herself. This predictable and cookie cutter comedy was a number in all capacities I love that he is a complete moron devoid of any real skills and yet seems to be Inspector Clouseau or should I say he Inspector Clouseau's his way around over and through everything 
a rage-filled turd sandwich, which definitely was not fit for omnivorous, as in me, or vegan consumption. It was really bad. Yeah, I won't be eating that turd sandwich anytime soon. We did. We should unpack a few things. At, at no point did anyone ever call the cops, which I'm completely surprised about. Well, they had mall cops. Right, which which their only primary job is to call a cop. Uh, hypoglycemic, but only had to stop once for a snack. Once hypoglycemia started and he was doing all that action. I'm like, dude, he would have had to have like a handful of candies to the whole movie. Surprise, it was produced by guess who? Oh, I know who it was produced by. Yeah, someone who's also not funny. Adam Sandler. He's funny sometimes. No, he's not. Not ever. Yeah, Happy, not Gil- since he Happy Gilmore album. was good. Okay, I'll give you that. Happy Gilmore was good. Bob Barker kicking his ass was the best scene in any movie. The price is wrong, Bob. <laughs> it's just wrong, Bob. <laughs> it's true. That was so good. Ah, and we end on a joyous note. This is awesome. There you go. <laughs> Well, thanks, Rachel, for listening. Thanks to the Film Rage crew of Leonard Bonman for his artistic vision and photography and for the cheese that he gave me today via Leonard Bonman Photography. And to our man, the merman, who we miss you dearly and wish you'd come back in one form or another. Listen to us on all the podcast streaming sites. Find us at Film Rage YYC on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And at our website at filmrageyyc.com, we are always wanting your feedback. Make this a raging blast for all listeners. So please go on social media, Apple Podcasts, our website, and Podchaser, and give us feedback. Or how about this? Give us more dares. Keep giving them to us. No matter what you do, please make us rage. Please. Please. That's it for this week. Rage on. Rage on.